0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We're going to jump right into this morning's message, and uh, I'm excited to see what God does through this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time again. Thank you for allowing us to be here gathered in your name. Lord, we are so thankful for our deacons and their wives, their families. Uh, God, I pray that you would just continue to bless them. God, I pray you'd protect their homes, that you'd bless their homes, that you would bless the work of their hands in your kingdom. Lord, that we would see uh, our membership continue to get strength. And um, Lord, just be healthy, uh, both physically, spiritually, so that we can do everything that we possibly can do for your kingdom while we have time on this earth. Lord, I pray that that's what would happen with all of our lives and, and our lives together as a body, is that we'd be used up and that we would bring glory to your name uh, for your eternal kingdom's cause, Lord. We thank you for this time now to be in your word. We thank you for what we've already experienced, and I pray you'd just bless now. Uh, use me as a vessel, just a, a voice that speaks out uh, what's your heart and what we need uh, at this time. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you the praise for it all. Lord, I also pray that if there's someone here that's lost or they've never truly surrender their life to you. Lord, they may know who you are, they may have heard about the cross, they may have heard about the resurrection, but they personally have never truly surrendered their all in faith in Jesus Christ. I pray today would be that day of salvation for them. I pray they'd walk out of this place completely changed and different as they do that. Lord, I ask you to move, move and do all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to play a video. Race of the weekend, and McGordy's gonna take the pace out early, LeMond yeah. gonna go right with him. Definitely not Drew. Well Drew's not the guy that have, you know, the 48 second yeah, speed every day. Yeah, so he's, McGordy, he's in last who right now. doesn't like to be boxed in, oh, he goes really early. This. LeMond, who's more of the racer than Trevor side. 23, above. 24 at the 225, they are moving. Drew Hunter sitting back and forth. Now into third. But remember, this is a two lap race, yeah. so there's still. Drew's a lot now to in third. McGordy's got a sizable lead, but. And this is how he likes to race. Once again, when he ran that 225, he went out in 56. And it's the only thing he's doing. Okay, here we go. Bell lap. Drew moving into second. Here we go. We're at the Bell lap. 50, 51, 52. Yes! <laughs> Drew Hunter in second. Alex Lamong in third. You can see the game face on Drew, though. He's gonna try and chase him down. Brandon came to play today, though. This is awesome. Here we go. He's still holding. Okay, 300 to go. 109. Oh, he looks good. Brandon McGorry keeping the form. See the 600 split. 116. 117. 118. Oh my! Well under 120. Oh, he's closing. Drew Hunter trying to catch up. Alex Lamont sitting in third. Trevor Whiteside in fourth. Oh, man. You know, this has been on Brandon's calendar. A chance at Drew, and he looks good. 138 on the clock. Oh, They are running fast, folks. Oh, he's closing. He's closing. Alex. Alex on the outside. Brandon, hold on. Hold on. Oh, through your breast. I nailed. I hate running. I know I say that often, but I like to be able to say that I, I do. And I do it occasionally to remind myself just how much I hate it. And uh, I, I read recently and, and also understand uh, some real things that real runners face. And one of those things is called bonking. Anybody know what bonking is? There's a couple people. Yeah. Bonking is this wall that runners hit Uh, When I'm going to read this because this is the the definition they give to it. Glycogen levels dip in the body, physiologically slows down the muscles as a result result of these levels dropping. There's also a a term called runner's fatigue. And this is the result of damaged muscles that are unable to recover uh, during that process and again become limited as they're running. Now, I personally feel both of those, I think. Uh, at about 300 meters <laughs> I'm serious uh, I wish I was joking but um, when we were in high school we used to for conditioning run uh, quarter miles that, that like that would be part of it you got there and you'd run sprints and you'd also run quarter miles and man I remember I, I think I may have shared this uh, story one time but my sophomore year, I had uh, skipped football because I was playing fall baseball, and uh, I missed it, and and so I I didn't like it. And so as soon as uh, fall baseball was over, and I play I was playing basketball as well, I determined I'm playing football my my junior year. I, I just missed it too much, and so I went into football off, off season after basketball season. Well. You know basketball you're running up and down the court and you're you're in good shape you know and I like that because it's short I mean it's like not even from that wall to that wall I mean I like that and so um, so I went back into football offseason and one of the coaches was super pumped he's like man you should have played your sophomore year we're excited you know football offseason I'm excited for you to get involved in this and and new coaches were in town and and so I was, I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm ready to get back into it. First day of football off-season, after basketball, I'm thinking, I don't have a problem. I, I'm in shape, this is gonna be okay. I was absolutely wrong. It was miserable. <laughs> we went in there and we did the mat room, and we we're doing all these drills and boxes and, and, and all this kind of crazy stuff. And by the end of that, I don't know, 30 or 40 minute session, I mean, I was dying. And I, was, I looked at my best friend, I was like, man, Oh, more, ow, that, that was a workout. And right about that time, the coach blows his whistle and goes, to the track. And, it, and I looked at my friend, I'm like, why are we going out to the track? And, and he, said, he said, that's because we got the rest of the workout to do. And I was thinking, this is not going to be good if the rest of the workout's out on the track. And we went out there, and needless to say, I don't know, four 400s, three 300s, two 200s, Uh, a hundred and then like 440s. We ran and ran and ran and I actually think for the first time in all of my athletic uh, time I threw up. I'm sorry I know it's church but I think that's what happened and it was bad Um, and so I, I hate running but one thing I remember about it is about the 300 yard mark it still happens to me now uh... they they say you know there's a wall or there as a bear that jumps on your back and that's what it felt like for me and that's what it still feels like you're running three hundred yards no problem blood's getting pumping and the next thing you know it feels like something has absolutely jumped on your back and you can't run anymore and so um, but one thing about running they teach in order to succeed is to press through it to press through the pain and not only that press through the finish line, to finish the race, just like we saw in that video, is as they got close to that finish line, they began to get more and more urgent about their effort. Their effort increased, they were pressing. I mean, you could see it on their faces, even the one diving across the line. It was the greatest effort they could give near the end of the line. Again, when I played football, they would say, you need to run through the whistle. You need to run through the line. Don't stop at the line. Don't stop when you think the play is over, but finish through the whistle. So the whistle blows, and that's when you stop giving 100% of your effort. You run through the line. You don't run up to the line and then slow down and stop at the line. You run as hard as you can through the line because that's going to ensure that you're given the very best effort that you can give the whole way, through the whole play or through the whole race or whatever it is. I want to show one more video, and then we'll actually get into the message. 30 meter lead here. It's going to be very, very difficult for Michelle Finn here, future Olympian, to rein this one in. She's so got too much of a gap. can she hold out of CIT here in third place as DCU set off at a strong pace as UCC look good in fifth and look like they were passing DCU to fourth place? The big battle here is for second call. It is, it's between Cork and that oh, is I UL at the soon. moment, CIT and UL, but it can't, the Elliott is fading, and Michelle Finn, to turbo blaster jets of the steeplechase, are being turned on with 2.50 to go, 8 metres to get there, 6 metres, oh, 5 metres, she is going to go past the She is out of their feet, Michelle Finn, the future Olympian, powers on by, here comes CIT, another effort in a homestead. And here comes UCC, I think we're going to get third, Paul. UCC from the depths of hell are pouring through. Oh, Michelle, it Michelle Finn is She's dead. Healy. Here comes UCC on the outside as well. And it's Phil Healy of UCC. Hurry down the outside. Where's she Michelle Finn? She's out on her feet. Yeah, yes, that is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Phil Healy, what a run. <laughs> Amazing finish. I mean, never, never would have thought that that's how that would have ended now um, recently I helped coach uh, Avery's Y volleyball team and her team actually won the championship and I I say that because in round three of this tournament they there was like a lull that was looming and so I, I got the team together and I said look if we're gonna win the championship that's the prize here if we're gonna do that it's gonna have to come at every single person playing like you actually want to win. Every point, every set, you've got to play with urgency, you've got to play with fire, like you actually want to win that point, that game, and, and the whole thing. And went down to the wire, and again, they, they actually won on the, the, an extra point in the very last set. I mean, it, it came down to the wire. Uh, but here's the deal. They had to press. They had to give their very best effort all the way through the very last play. They had to play with disciplined urgency, they had to play together. They had to do all of these things, pressing more and more and more. And as the game got closer to the end, you could sense the effort, the intensity, the fire. I mean, the fans, everybody, people were losing voices. It just was increasing louder and louder, more and more and more and more, escalating to that final point And ultimately winning the prize at the end. The truth is this, championships don't just happen. Winning doesn't just happen. It takes that unity, it takes that urgency, it takes that pressing. Our coaches used to tell us, you have to want it more than the other team. You have to want it more than the other team. Each week, preparing, every day of the week preparing, like that. so, earnest, urgency, pressing on. I wanna say this morning, the end of the end is near in this life we are at the end we are as those those runners i believe rounding that last corner and we've got to make up our minds as people on this earth how we're going to finish the race how we're going to finish our lives on this earth in light of eternity in light of crossing the temporal finish line and stepping over into eternity and And again, this is not just for uh, one year ending and a new year coming, but this is a a reality. There are a lot of things going on in this world. And and I want you to know, this is not a a doom and gloom message, but hopefully a fourth quarter charge, if you will. A a way to say, you know what, let's let's step up our game. Let's step up our effort. Maybe the way that you look back in 2017 and say, the way that I finished 2017, or maybe the way I even ran my, my Christian race in 2017, what was just kind of lollygagging or, or just kind of coasting, listen, that's not the time, it's not the time right now to do that. Right now is the time to get urgent and start pressing for the kingdom of God like never before. If you have your Bibles, turn to First Corinthians chapter 9, I shared a little bit of this last week, we had to cancel the service because of the ice and everything, and Um, And so I just shared a couple of these verses, but the Lord wouldn't leave me alone about this message. I felt like it was uh, supposed to be preached, and so uh, this is what we're doing. Verse 24 says this, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. And we see these these in these videos. Everybody's on the track that's running, and everybody is running to win. And he says this, he says, You know everybody's on the track, everybody's running. But only one receives the prize. And so he's, he flips it, and he says this. So run that you may obtain. Run the race like you are running it to obtain the prize, to run the prize. And he says this. And everyone, every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things, has self-control. If you're, if you're looking for mastery in this, self-control in all things... And listen to what he says here. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Again, the imagery of, a, of an Olympic sport or, or of a race. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown. That medal they put around their neck, that crown they put on their head, uh, the, the, the name in the, in the record books, whatever. All those things are corruptible. One day it's gonna go away. But he says this, but we, an incorruptible. And so Paul says, I therefore run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just swinging in the, in, in the air, but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul says, you know what, this is, this is what I do. I, I try to stay focused and I try to stay controlled and disciplined and, and giving my very best effort to run this race that I have for the kingdom of God. And the reason why is this. Because if I don't do that, and I go and I try to tell somebody that Jesus is the only way, and that's all they need, and yet I don't live my life like that, I'm a hypocrite. People look at me and say, you're telling me that I need Jesus Christ every day of my life, and I need him for eternal life, and that he's the most important person in your life. You actually call him Lord, but you don't live your life like that. I don't think I want that. I don't need that. And so Paul was saying that, look, this is why I do this, is so that when I tell other people they need Jesus Christ or I try to give them the gospel, I'm not a castaway. goes on in chapter 10, it says this, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Did you hear that? He said the fathers that went before us, they all all had the same spiritual drink. They all had the same spiritual meat. They were protected by God in the cloud. They were guided by God by the fire. They had all the things together. They all had the same things. But not, not all of them were pleasing God. Not all of them. Were doing what they needed to be doing and it goes on and says because they were overthrown in the wilderness and listen what he says in verse six now these things this example of the now please listen the children of God then now what are we now we are the children of God now the children of God then they had all the same resources they had all the same spiritual blessings they had all those things then but God wasn't pleased with many of them and so Paul says, so let that serve as an example for us today, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be our idolaters, as were some of them, as it, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and then they rose up to play. They, they weren't concerned about pleasing God or living for God. They were concerned about what was pleasing them. And it goes on, and says, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Let us Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Again, he's saying, look, these people had everything they needed from God. They had direction. They had protection. They had provision. They had all those things from God in the wilderness, in that lonely place, in that dark place, in that bad place, outside of of what was comfortable, but God had everything they needed. And yet, it was not enough for them. Some of them, was a, they were just living their lives for themselves. They were doing what pleased them. They were lusting after things that, that they didn't have covetousness, idolaters. They were living lives that weren't pleasing to God, and so it cost them. The destroyer come along and destroyed them because of their lack of engagement, their lack of effort, their lack of attention, their lack of, of focus and faith and following of Jesus Christ. It cost them something dearly. Paul says... Let that be an example to us. He goes on and reiterates it in verse 11. Now, all these things, he said, happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition. They're written to teach us something, to to direct us in in, in our lives. Those things that happened to the children of God then were recorded so that us, Paul speaking then 2,000 years ago, us, we could take from their lessons and learn that we need to not live our lives like that because we too have God's blessings and provision and direction we have everything that we need to live our lives victoriously for the kingdom of God and not suffer the same fate as our fathers but look what Paul says upon whom the ends of the world are come now remember this is nearly two thousand years ago that Paul was writing this and so as I said a while ago as we're at the end of the end of the age, the end of this age, you and I should be pressing even more than the Apostle Paul was encouraging these Corinthian believers to be pressing. Hallelujah. We could say maybe they were at the 200-meter mark in Paul's day, and they knew the finish line was near. In the scope of, of the time of the earth, you know, human history on this earth, they knew he knew that the time was near. But if that's the case, then you and I are in that last 100-meter stretch. That, that corner that we saw in both of those videos where they realized there's the end right there. Oh, come on, and we've, we've got to press harder than we have up to this point. That's right. Good and then he says this, Wherefore let him thinketh that he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Nobody's immune. Nobody's immune from getting consumed with themselves, getting consumed with this world getting consumed with what they don't have what they do have nobody's immune so he said let's make sure we all take heed lest we fall and suffer that same fate if you have your bibles turn over philippians chapter three it says this in verse one finally my brethren rejoice in the lord to write the same things to you to to me indeed is not grievous but for you it's safe paul says look i'm writing the same things to you again And it's not a big deal. It's not a problem for me to do that. And for you, for me to remind you of this, it's helpful. It's needful for you to hear the same things. Peter would say the same thing in his epistle as well. You know why? Because we are forgetful people. Sometimes we need to be reminded in our spiritual lives of things over and over and over and over again. Before it actually sinks in and we get it. So Paul says to these Philippians, it's not a problem for me to write this and for you it's beneficial. Verse 2 Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Understand this, that the the Judaizers in this day uh, were trying to convince people that were being converted uh, by faith uh, in Jesus Christ. They were being born again and and they were being baptized and and following Jesus Christ and and being a part of his church. There were Jews of that day that were coming behind them and saying, oh, that's good and great that you've done that, but you still have to be circumcised. You still have to follow the law in order to be fully saved. in order to be fully accepted in God's sight, in order to be fully righteous, uh, you still have to do that. And so it was, it it was lies and it was false doctrine and it it was these uh, outside works that they were trying to add to faith in Jesus Christ alone. So Paul's warning these Philippian believers, beware of these people, beware of these people that bring in doctrines of men, beware of these people that bring in doctrines that add to the grace of Jesus Christ, beware of these people. He goes on, he says this, for we are the circumcision. We are the ones that are set apart, uh, set aside, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, he says. Look, we we are those who have no confidence in ourselves. Our confidence is found in Jesus Christ. But Paul says this, though. But I could have confidence in my flesh. I, I I could do that. And if any man think other, uh, 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 thinketh that he would have whereof he might trust in the flesh, he says this, I am more. If there's anybody else who thinks that they could have more confidence in their own abilities or their own pedigree or their own heritage or their own anything. If there's anybody else who thinks that they're, you know, more qualified in the flesh, Paul says, I could boast more in myself. And he explains how he could, he, he could do that. He's circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, an expert, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness of the law, blameless. Paul says, look, if if you're talking about the ability of the flesh to live a life or to have this pedigree or to anything in this world, to, to have something to hang your hat on and say, I'm the best, most religious person I know. I'm that person, he says. Look in verse 7. But what things, and look at that next word, were gain to me personally, religiously, in the world. Those things that used to mean so much to so many other people and so much to me and so much in the world. Those things that were so important and I saw as gain. He says, those I counted loss for Christ. What does it mean for Christ? It means for the sake of Christ. Those things that, that I thought were gained, I've now counted lost for the sake of Christ. And he, re, he reiterates this. He says, yea, doubtless, I count all things, not just those things, but all things, but, for loss, uh, 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 but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, I count all those things for loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Everything in this world, everything dear to me, everything that the world sees as valuable, I counted it as lost for this surpassing worth of just knowing my Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and says this, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. I've suffered the loss of everything and I count them as dung And he gives several reasons why. Look at the first reason. That I may win Christ. That I may win Christ. I I don't need anything in this world. I don't need anything to hang my hat on that I used to hang my hat on. I don't need to boast in my own religiosity. I don't need to boast in my own churchianity. I don't need to boast in anything of myself. I've suffered the loss of all things for Jesus Christ's sake. For knowing him. For being able to win him. At the end of my life, to be able to embrace him, that's why I've given it all up. That's why nothing else matters. The second reason, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. He said, look, the the reason I've done this too is that I, I get his righteousness, not my own righteousness, the righteousness of God on my life that I couldn't do myself. That's why I've given it all up. That's why it doesn't matter to me. The third reason, that I may know him. The fourth reason, and know the power of his resurrection. Fifth reason, and fellowship of his sufferings. Knowing any suffering, I believe Paul would say, any suffering that I could go through helps me to relate to, to be acquainted with the very things that he went through for me. See, Paul said, look, no matter if it's, if it's, if it's physical or, or hurtful circumstances or, or, or people abandon me or relationships or, or anything like that. Or if it's, if it's actual persecution for being a child of God, being thrown in prison, being stoned, being beaten. No matter what, I, I see that any time I get to have any type of suffering or persecution in this life, any bad circumstance, I, it gets me acquainted with the, the the suffering and the pain that my Lord went through. As he was suffering for my salvation. He goes on, he says, being made conformable to his death. And look at verse 11, if by any means, know know this, that by any means means this, no matter what I have to endure. That's what he says. If by any means, no matter what I have to endure, that I might attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul saw the resurrection of dead as as the key that was that was that's 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 what I'm shooting for I mean I'm I'm wanting to win Christ he's the point of it all but the resurrection of the dead that's it that's what everybody's wanting immortal life I don't want to die nobody wants to go to hell nobody wants to spend eternity there nobody most of us we don't while we may be ready to die the thought of dying doesn't excite us per se most of us probably would say, if, if I were going to die today and I had my choice, I'd like to do it in my sleep. So I just went to sleep and didn't even know anything else, just woke up. No pain, no hurt, no thought, no nothing. None of us would say, yeah, I mean, I would love to volunteer for a painful, long, horrible death. But Paul said, I can, I can press through this life. I can go through whatever circumstances. I can deal with all these, these, these afflictions and these circumstances and all this pain. I can do all of that because I know I'm going to get that resurrection. <laughs> so I want to look at a few things that gives us this understanding of how Paul is able to do this. And, and hopefully it will be quick. If not, we'll pick it up another time. Another So Paul says, look, here's here's how I'm going to do this. And again, I think it gives us uh, an insight on how we can live this life enduring, pressing, finishing. What a philosophy Paul had. Paul Paul was living his life like this. There's nothing that I wouldn't endure on this path of life to win Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to knock me off course of following Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to keep me from finishing this race for Jesus Christ because he finished his for me. That's right. Hallelujah. And I think sometimes our philosophy of life, please listen, in 2018 now, is this. How easy can I live this life and live it for Christ at the same time? I think that's what we adopt in our mindset. We, well, that's what we want. How, how, easy can, how easy can I have it in my life and live it for Jesus Christ at the same time? We don't, we don't think of it like this. How can I live for Jesus Christ even more no matter what it costs me? And, and I think that's what, that's what we're missing in our mindset today that the Apostle Paul had in his. I think our mindset comes like this. How can I do as much as I can without giving more than I want. That's good. Take me. I I I wanna I wanna serve God, I want to be used by God, I wanna do these things, but I don't really want to give more than I want I want. That's good for you, brother. How could Paul consider suffering for Christ and even being made conformable unto his death, fashioned unto his death? How could he consider those things a worthy thing to exchange all these things that he had in the world? Number one, know the finish line. Know the direction. Paul could do it, and you and I can do it, by knowing the finish line. And this takes faith knowing what it is. To finish right, to be able to urgently finish well. Those guys, those ladies, as they're pressing pressing towards the end of that, how they were able to urgently give that last bit of effort that they could with all of their might, they had to know where the finish line was. They had to know it wasn't 10 yards before it was. They, they couldn't give up and, and, and quit sooner than when the finish line was. They had to press even harder. They had to know where the finish line was, where the race ends. And not only that, how to get there. What would have happened if, if one of them at the 300 yard mark decided to, to cut that last corner off across the, across the field and got back on the track 50 yards ahead of the rest of the pack and won the race? What would have happened? Disqualified. That's what would have happened. There's not a shortcut. You have to know where the finish line is and know how to get there. And you have to give your very best effort to do this. And I want you to, I want want to note this. Please listen. The finish line is up ahead. That's where it's at. It's not behind. And we haven't got there yet. So there's no time to stall. There's no time to quit. There's no time to coast. It's up ahead. Verse 12, back in our text, he says, "Not not as though I already attained Either we already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ. He said, I pressed for this resurrection uh, t- to make Him my own, just like Christ made me his own. And Paul recognized, and he's reiterating, that he hadn't obtained the prize. He hadn't crossed the finish line yet. He hadn't, he hadn't grabbed hold of what he was striving for. But here he's expressing how desperately he's pushing to pursue it. He's desperately chasing after the one who apprehended him. That's what he was doing. He he, he thought, you know what? God himself left his throne, came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and was put on a cross. But before that, he was beaten. He was made fun of. He was forsaken. He was was betrayed. He was spit on. All those things, for my sake, he did all of that. And it was hard, and it took his very best fleshly effort because he was in the flesh as well. It took everything he had, and he gave all that he had yes, he for me. And so that was Paul's mindset. He says, listen, I'm pressing so that I can grab hold of the one who took hold of me. And I pray that's the story of our lives. So Paul's journey of faith, even through persecution, even through circumstance, was worth it. I want to look at this real quick because sometimes we think the Apostle Paul, he's, he's almost like divine. He's not. He was a man. He was a man. God, God called him out and God used him. But he had to submit. He had to obey. He had to do these things. He had to take on this mindset and set. It was a choice he made. And through every circumstance he went through, I'm sure there was a battle in his flesh to say, I don't know if I can take it much more. And so what do you mean? I mean, are we talking about loss of, uh, of loved ones? Yeah. We're we talking about the loss of his job. We know that he lost his job. He gave us a job. I mean, he was called to be an apostle. I mean, he couldn't make tents all the time. He, he took on making tents to help provide for himself at times. What did it mean? It, it mean his health, everything, friends, relationships. It cost him everything. Look what it, he says in 2 Corinthians eleven: Are they ministers of Christ? Paul says, "Now let me say this: I'm speaking as a fool. I'm more in labors, more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequent, in deaths off of the Jews five times. I received forty stripes, thirty-nine stripes, save one." Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been out in the deep with nothing, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of ro- robbers. Perils mean dangers. Dangers by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness. Listen, in painfulness, in watchings. Watchings mean sleeplessness, without sleep and hunger, and thirst, and fasting offering, and cold, and nakedness. I'm out there freezing. I don't have blankets. I don't have clothes. Besides all those things that are without, all these outside things that I've gone through in trying to just live my life for Christ, I've gone through all of these horrible outside circumstances. Besides all those things, he says, that which cometh upon me every single day. Even if I'm not shipwrecked out in the ocean, even if I'm not in prison being beaten, even if I'm not being uh, in in a dangerous situation inside of a city or out out in the desert, even if in all those things, every single day, he says, I have this problem every single day. The care of all the churches. The weight, the worry, the the burden of all of the churches. And so he says, who's weak? Am I not weak? Who's offended? And, And I don't get upset. Again, Paul says, look, I, I'm a person too. I've gone through all these things. Who, who says they've been through more things in this life than me? He said, I could, I, could, I could line it all up for you and say, let's go. He said, I've gone through it. Not only that, I've gone through the spiritual burden every single day. And not only that, you're talking about being offended. I've been offended, he says. I've been upset. I've been hurt. He was clear, though, that Christ was the one that was worth it all. The physical struggles, the physical hurt, as well as the spiritual burdens. We'll see that Paul saw this resurrection as the prize because he saw it already that I may win Christ. That was the ultimate prize. John Piper asked this question. I've shared this quote before. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you've ever had on this earth and with all the food you've ever liked all the Mexican food, Italian food country fried steak and fried chicken and (laughs) amen brother all the leisurely activities you ever enjoyed whether you like running or, or sports or golf or whatever your hobbies are You could have all those things and all the natural beauties you ever saw, the sunsets every day, beautiful, amazing, breathtaking, the the sun rises and and the mountains majestic and just all the beautiful things, the the east coast in the fall or or the, the west coast in the spring, whatever, I mean... All the beautiful things you've ever saw, the natural beauties, all the physical uh, pleasures you've ever tasted and had a part of, and without any human conflict or any natural disasters, no bad, no evil, no nothing, just everything all good, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? And and, and I want to say this. I unfortunately believe that most of what is considered Christianity today if we were taking a private ba- ballot and we were told, just be honest because God knows it. Would you be okay living in eternity with all that stuff? Now, you, you, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see Christ, you couldn't go up to him, you couldn't relate to him, you couldn't talk to him, you couldn't hug him, you couldn't spend time at his feet, you, you couldn't do any of those things, but you could have all this stuff forever I mean, what is it? football, What is it baseball? Is it basketball or golf? Or I mean, you could do that every day, and you would never get tired because you would have a perfect body. You wouldn't have to worry about diets because you would have a perfect body. You could eat whatever food you want you have. You could hang out with all your friends and family, and it could just be an amazing time on this uh, for all of eternity. I believe most of us on that private b- ballot would say, "I think I could deal with heaven without. And that's heartbreaking. Because the one, the one that would afford us the opportunity to even be there wouldn't be there. And, and the stuff would mean more than the Savior. My prayer is that I wouldn't and that you couldn't be satisfied. I, I don't believe the Apostle Paul could have, and, and again we see it in his mentality. And here's what it is. I believe the reason why he couldn't is because he saw. Listen, and I'm going to close. We'll have to finish this next week. I believe that the Apostle Paul saw that the only one who brought meaning to his, to his existence was Jesus. Therefore, not to win him at the end of it all, to, to win no pain, to win no problems, to win uh, stuff, to win activities, to win fun and, and people, and to win all that stuff, Paul thought was meaningless at the end of it all. Because Christ is the one that brings meaning to my life, period. So at the end of it all, if I don't get Christ, I have nothing. I have nothing would be devastating that's right. hey. as the musicians make their way again we just get point one this morning and I want to encourage and make sure with all your power to be here if the Lord wills and, 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 and that's what he continues to direct me to do next week when we finish this but just this morning a simple charge in this new year let's make sure that we know the finish line The finish line is not retirement. Come on, that's truth right there. That's just one person, brother. The finish line is not retirement. Amen. There's three. The finish line is not retirement. Amen. 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 The finish line is not a certain bank account amount or it's not a certain house out in the country. Amen? The finish line is nothing on this earth. It's the resurrection of the dead and the ultimate prize being Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God, who, who, who thought himself to be nothing. To come to this earth to pay the price for us. Pay our price. So let's be reminded in this new year that the, the, the end, the, the finish line, the goal that we're striving for every day when we get up is, is not to have a better bank account or to have a better job or to have better stuff or to, or to have more of this. It's not that. It's to have that same mindset as the Apostle Paul. Preach, preach. So you know what? All that stuff. That's good. It's nothing. Woo. I just want Christ. That's right. Come on, boy, and so I want to encourage you this morning if that's not your mindset, if that's not been your mindset, if that's not our mindset as a body, let's change that. This this year, 2018, let's say, you know what? I I haven't been like those people on that track. I I haven't been pressing like they were pressing towards the finish line. I, I was happy just to To cross the finish line at some point in time in my life as as a Christian, I mean, as long as I made it to heaven, no, 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 no. They all run to win, and he tells us in our spiritual lives to run to win. Let's make it. Let's make a commitment this year. I'm going to press more. I I know where the finish line is, and I'm going to press more for Jesus Christ than I ever have before. And I'm not just going to make some lofty commitment. I'm not going to make some empty resolution. I'm going to realize who my God is and who my Lord is and I'm going to keep him in front of me the whole time and I'm going to keep my eye on the finish line and I'm going to press towards it like never before. That's good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. God, we thank you for your word and Lord, thank you for this challenge that you've given me already and, and um, Lord, it's... Um, I think your design is amazing. Lord, you're... The way you orchestrate things lord you gave me give me two weeks with this lord lord i i see that now lord i'm thinking last week i really wanted to see us have service and, and not miss the opportunity to say goodbye to a, a year and, and say hello to a new year but i realize that if it wasn't for anything else but for me to spend more time with this message lord i i praise you for that and i thank you for that and i pray that we would all grab from this, this important point, Lord. Lord, to know the finish line. Lord, to stay focused on it. Circumstances are going to come in our life. We realize that painful things we're going to go through, hurt and sickness and loss and, and, and devastating things are going to happen to us in our life, but none of these things should shake us because we're keeping our eyes on the finish line. We know what's coming. We know that we have this resurrection from the dead and we know that we're going to win Christ at the end of it all. Lord, I know I can't say for myself that I know anything close to what the Apostle Paul went through. All the things that he went through, just unbelievable. So Lord, help me never to, to waver. Help me never to pull back. Help me never just to coast. And I pray that would be the prayer for all of us, that this year we would press like it's truly at the end of the race that we'd give our very best effort every day so that we can win you. Lord, I pray you move now in this invitation and help us to respond rightly to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.